Good morning, church family. How's everyone doing? Yeah, as Pastor Josh said, I am Pastor Mandy, and I have the privilege of being the youth pastor for all of these wonderful people. Um, I just celebrated my eight years here, so it's incredible that I get to call this my home, and this is my career. It's just been such a great time being here at Granite Creek. Well, I hope you all had a wonderful Thanksgiving. It is officially Christmas time. Who's been waiting for it? I know I have, which also means that it is the season of giving. How many of you went Black Friday shopping on Friday? There was not that many good deals. It was very disappointing. How many of you uh, maybe did some online shopping instead? Yeah, okay, I did a few online shopping. Most of my Black Friday shopping ends up being like me getting good deals on things that I need throughout the year. I'm like, stock up now. No one needs other stuff, so I'm just gonna get the things I actually need. Um, maybe Small Business Saturday, anyone support small businesses yesterday for that? It's the season of giving, all these different titles, the cute little oh, Black Friday, Small Business Saturday, Giving Tuesday, Cyber Monday, all these cute little things, but it's all the season of giving. So I want to have each and every one of us think about your favorite gift or a favorite gift that you have received. It could be a Christmas gift, it could be a birthday gift, maybe an anniversary gift, or some of my favorite gifts tend to be the like just because gifts. Those are always spontaneous and fun and unexpected. So one of my favorite gifts, because there's too many that I've gotten blessed with throughout my life to pick just one, but one of mine is an experience that my mom got for me and I think it was when I was a freshman in, in college. And this was an experience to go visit my sister when she was studying abroad in South Africa. An incredible experience. My family has never been wealthy, so I know that that experience came at such a great sacrifice to her. And I was blown away when she came to me with this idea, like, hey, do you wanna go surprise your sister for her birthday? in South Africa. And I was like, yes. Can we do that? Yes. Because, I mean, it's also, when you're studying abroad, you're on a campus of a school. And I'm like, I don't, what are the logistics behind all that? She pulled so many strings and figured out how to get me there and get this surprise. And it's so fun to, every once in a while, it'll come up on like our feed of, hey, remember when you were doing this? And I was like, oh my gosh, that's me walking in the room and my sister being like, what are you doing here? And it was such a neat moment because my mom knew that I missed my sister. And she knew that I hope vice versa, that my sister missed me. But you know, she was <laughs> living her best life in South Africa. So, but she knew the connection that my sister and I had and she wanted to foster that. She knew that we missed each other and she wanted to make a way for it to be possible for that hole in both of our hearts to be filled. A great gift communicates to the receiver that they are known. In some way that they are known, whether that's a physical gift or an experience gift, it, ex it expresses that they are known. Sometimes people say that gift cards are a bad gift, but 
if you've received a gift card to the right place, you know. You're like, oh my gosh. They know me. They see me. Maybe if it's like a spa day, you're like, oh my gosh, they know that I just needed a day to myself. A great gift is meant to also make a person's life better in some way. My mom knew that my sister and I missed each other. She saw a need, and she filled it with the experience of a lifetime for my sister and I. Our Heavenly Father also loves to shower us with gifts. Now, unlike the gifts that you and I tend to give and receive, they're not tangible gifts, and thankfully, they're not limited to the resources that we have available to us. Gifts from God are available to every single person, and they came at a great sacrifice to God. So the question that I want to pose to each and every one of us today is, are you using your God-given gifts? If you have your Bible, please join me in opening to Ephesians chapter 4. Now, I know that last week I was supposed to teach on Ephesians chapter 3 all about grace, but I, uh, we're skipping chapter 3, not to say it's not important, but um, I was really excited to speak on this because it's something that's near and dear to my heart of spiritual gifts. So I'm going to kind of summarize what we missed last week. So the book of Ephesians is kind of split into two parts. We have chapters 1 through 3 as one part and then 4 through 6 as the next part. So chapter 1 through 3, Paul lays out the gospel story. And we learn that through Jesus, anyone can be adopted into God's covenant family. We see that Jews and Gentiles were all brought into God's family, and we see this play out in Acts chapter 2, if you want to see that exactly happen. And then we learn that God's grace is what saves us from our sin and gives us new life through Jesus. And then in the second half, it's chapters 4 through 6, and those are the implications of the gospel. So Paul lays out, this is what the gospel is, and then it's the because of the gospel, this is what happens. So sometimes it's known as the therefore section, which is how we respond to the gospel in the way that we live our lives. So we're going to be doing kind of an exegetical um, lesson today, which means that we're going to read the scriptures, and then we're going to go kind of verse by verse through um, unpacking it a little bit. So let's dive into chapter 4. Therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body and one spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, in all, and living through all. However, he has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. That is why the scriptures say, when he ascended to the heights, he led a crowd of captives and gave gifts to his people. Notice that it said he ascended. This clearly means that Christ also descended to our lowly world. 
And in the same one who descended is the one who ascended higher than all the heavens, so that he might fill the entire universe with himself. Now these are the gifts that Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever that they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. We're going to stop there. It's a lot, right? It's a lot. So let's break it down a little bit. Let's break it down with verse 1. Therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. So who's the I in this situation? Paul. So I find this fascinating, just Paul's whole transformation, coming from Saul, the one who was persecuting Christians, to now he is spreading the word of Christ, and he is now being persecuted, and he is in jail. It's fascinating just how the tables kind of turned on him. But he says that he's a prisoner for serving the Lord. So when reading scripture, we know that if there's a therefore, like we see in verse 1, we have to ask, what is it there for? I know, right? Write that down. Save that for later. Because of all that Jesus has done for us in the first three chapters, remember the gospel story. It's he, here is what God has done for us, and therefore, so now, because of that, he is calling us to live rightly. He is calling us to live rightly only after expressing all that God has done. So the implication is that good works get us nothing. Rather, it's a response to God for all that he has done for us. We do not live a life worthy so that God will love us, but because he already does. So how do we live a life worthy of the calling? Verse 2 through 3, actually, does a great job of answering this. It says, always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Sometimes this one's really hard, right? Making allowance for each other's faults. That's hard. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. So how do we live a life worthy? We be humble, patient, gentle, and be united Unity is such a prominent theme that we get to see throughout the entire book of Ephesians. We see this play out in the next few verses. For there is one body and one spirit, just as you have been called to one hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and in all and living through all. 
So let's count all the ones. So hold up your hands with me as I say things. Uh, we got one body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father. That's seven, seven ones. And when we see repetition throughout the Bible, it's on purpose. And it's because it's something that we are meant to pay attention to. And it's meant to make a point. And that point in here, guess what it is? Unity. God has united all things through Jesus. And he's trying to make this point that we are one. And this isn't a time where people are still kind of figuring out what it looks like to be one. Because remember, they were so used to the people of God being just the Jews. But now Jesus broke that barrier and he made Jesus and God, they're all accessible to everyone. So they're trying to get over this hurdle of what it looks like to actually be one, which is why Paul is really driving this point home so much. Then in verse 7 it says, However, he has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. So here's, he's talking about the, uh, the spiritual gifts that have been given to believers. So even though we're all one, he gave us each individual gifts. Because unity does not equal uniformity. He wants us to each be unique as well. So we have all been given spiritual gifts. Whether you like it or not, you've been given a spiritual gift. If you call yourself a believer, you have a spiritual gift. Sometimes we think that spiritual gifts, they're things that only certain people have, right? The ones that read their Bibles every day, the holy people, the ones that you see speaking here on stage, they're the only ones that have spiritual gifts. No, you have one too. Some versions, I don't know what we have on the screen, Oh, it's, it's close. It's close. So um, the ESV says this, but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gifts. So there's a little bit of um, difference in the translation. So this second part is a little hard sometimes to, to grasp. Is This measure of Christ's gift or through the generosity of Christ as the original version that I read says. So as humans, we tend to believe that Because God is just, that means that he is also fair. And our definition of fair means that everyone gets the same thing, right? In the same amount, you know, you put it on those scales and it measures up exactly the same. But that's not what this verse is saying. It's saying that we each get a different gift. Like I said, unity does not equal uniformity. We are all different. And we all get different giftings in different measures according to God's purpose for us. Because not every single person needs every single spiritual gift because we all have different purposes. So it would be weird if we all had the equal amount of giftings for everything. So we all have different measures, and that's a good thing. Verse 8 says, that is why the scriptures say when he ascended to the heights, he led a crowd of captives and gave gifts to his people. This is a reference to the Old Testament, Psalms 68, 18, if you want to bookmark that. It's uh, just another way that we can prove that Jesus is the Messiah because this is a, um, 
This is one of the prophecies, there we go, that he fulfills. And then verse 9, it, in some versions, it's in like parentheses as a little aside. So notice it says he ascended. This clearly means that Christ also descended to our lowly world. And then the same one who descended is the one who ascended higher than the heavens so that he might fill the entire universe with himself. Whew, it's a lot to say. <laughs> So what this is saying in human terms is that Jesus is the one that gave us the spiritual gifts. That when he came to live among us in our lowly world, I love that, um, through the incarnation, right, when Jesus came, it was God coming in flesh as the incarnation. And so God was in human form. And this gave him the, the ability to experience death. So Jesus died, he was buried, and he didn't stay dead, because then he rose again, which conquered death. And then the ascension referred to here is his ascension from the earth after his resurrection into heaven. In these spiritual gifts that we have access to were secured by Jesus alone and his victory over death. And he gives them to us, his people, so that we, too, have the ability to be victorious while carrying out kingdom work here on earth. Spiritual gifts are divine creation. They're not something that is man-made. I know we have a lot of different, like, Enneagram things, right? That's like, figure out your personality type. But spiritual gifts are not that. They are given to us by God through Jesus and only through Jesus. And it's something that you can only access once you become a believer. That's kind of like our, our little welcome to the family gift basket, right? So what specifically are these gifts? Let's read on to verse 11. Now these are the gifts that Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, evangelists, the pastors, and teachers, so let's define these a little bit. So if you're like me, when I first read this list, I immediately thought, like, nope, I don't. Those are very churchy words. They are, right? They're very churchy words. And I was like, I'm just, I'm just a high schooler. I'm not a, an apostle. So fancy. But I hope that once we break it down a little bit, that you will find yourself relating to at least one of these spiritual gifts. Because yes, they are very like big, scary kind of words, but like I said, we each have spiritual gifts. So if we break it down to human terms, I think that we can relate to one. So apostles. Apostles are the ambassadors of God's word. Historically, they would plant churches or start ministries, and they tend to be people that have a more entrepreneurial mindset. They see something in their mind, and they can build something out of nothing to create that. They see the potential in something, and they bring that potential out. They find fruit through growth and fulfilling the mission of the go-and-tell mission that we see in Matthew. Next one is prophets. Prophets share words of knowledge that they hear from God that are consistent with the truth and foundation that we have in Scripture. And I think that that's really the key, is that it, 
they share that what's consistent with scripture. A healthy word of knowledge should not ever contradict what scriptures say. And it should never make someone feel attacked. So the fruit that prophets bring is that they encourage the church and the body of Christ. Next is evangelists. These are people specifically gifted to preach the good news of salvation or the gospel message. We're all called to share the gospel, but there are some that are just more gifted specifically to do so. They have a heart for the lost, they long to see transformation in people, and they love sharing their face, faith, and their face, probably. These are the people that you will see praying for the cashier anywhere they go. I do not have this gifting. I, I kind of wish I do, but then I also kind of, I don't know. I haven't asked for it yet because I'm hesitant. But yeah, these are the people that are very bold that you'll just see like praying for people everywhere. You all know at least one that came into your mind as soon as I said that. Um, so the fruit that they bring is they, tr- they uh, help transform hearts and lives through the power of the gospel message. Next, we have pastors or shepherds. And these are people that shepherd the flock of God, which means that they take care of people. They give biblical counsel. And I think all of our, our people that have the title pastor here have this spiritual gifts. I've seen all of our pastors here taking care of people and really pouring biblical counsel all over them. But not all people who have this gift will also carry the professional title of pastor. You might be sitting there and be like, oh, I've taken care of people. I've given biblical counsel. That means that you too have this spiritual gift of pastor. So the fruits that this bears is making people feel known, loved, and they bring healing to people. And lastly, we have teachers, those who are gifted in teaching the word of God in ways that will bring understanding. Have you ever had someone that explains a verse or maybe a biblical theological concept to you in a way that just like, oh my God, It clicks now. That's the gift of teaching. And the fruit that they bear is biblical literacy, helping people to fully understand what the word of God says. Because I know that I have read through scripture and been stumped by some things. (laughs) What does that even mean? So we need teachers. We need people to help make things that are really muddy to be clear. When all of these gifts are being used correctly, we see a maturity in in Christian faith, and we're able to experience God in a new way. Verse 12 says, Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. So the purpose of gifts is to do ministry and to build God's church and his people. It's to edify the church. It's not to benefit a single individual and to make them seem better. 
especially because remember the measures of our giftings are different. So it's not meant to be like, wow, they have all five of the gifts and I just have one. God loves them more. If that's what's happening, then the gifts are not being executed correctly. It's meant to build God and bring glory to God, not an individual. Verse 13 says, this will, oh, we're just going to read it like a huge chunk, so bear with me. 13 and 14, this will continue until we all come to such unity, there's that word again, and our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord. Like I said, spiritual gifts bring maturity in, in Christ. Measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We will not be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever that they sound like the truth. Spiritual gifts are meant to empower us. They're meant to equip us to stand firm in the truths of Scripture. And like I said, when we have good teaching... We can tell what the lies are, and that's so important because we want to know when we're being told a lie. Verse 15, instead we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. When you walked in, you should have found something fun sitting on your chair. Now's the part where we're going to talk about it. It's a puzzle piece. No, it's not communion, Mike. (laughs) We're not switching up things. So... I love visuals, so I want to give you guys a visual. So think about it this way. Think about this is not the actual puzzle box that it came in, but we're just going to pretend that this is a puzzle box, all right? So inside here, I do have puzzle pieces. Oh, my gosh. So think about the puzzle box as the church. It's where all of the people go, but they're not quite activated just because they're part of the church, right? So we're each made unique just like puzzle pieces should be made unique unless they're one of those puzzles that's like the impossible puzzles. They're all the same color, same cut. Don't do one of those if you want to be sane. (laughs) But each puzzle piece and each person is unique in their giftings. And when we use our giftings, that's when we're activated. That's when we go beyond the box and then we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose, which a puzzle's purpose is what? It's to be put together and to be made into a picture. So when we step out of the church and activate our giftings, that's when we're one step closer to seeing the church as it should be. So each piece fits together perfectly. And although we see that this puzzle is mostly complete, you can see that there's some holes around here, right? Just like there are holes when there's many Christians that do not use their spiritual gifts. 
There can be many reasons why a person might not want to activate their spiritual gifts. Maybe it's fear. They're just, you know, I have this gift of prophecy and I don't want to use it because what if the person makes fun of me for what I say? Or, oh, I have this, this I, I know how to teach this really well, but ah, I don't know, it's, it's scary. Getting up here, guys, is really scary, just saying. <laughs> but but it's, you, you got to say yes. Maybe you're like, oh, I don't want to use my gift because someone else uses their gift so much better. So I'm not really needed. So you feel like this, this comparison, which also makes you feel unneeded and that it's already covered. It's fine. They got it. Regardless of the reason for not using your spiritual gifts, there's a hole left when you don't use your spiritual gifts. So one of my spiritual gifts is pastor. <laughs> what? Who would have thought that? So I remember the first student that I got to speak life into. And it was when I was serving at a middle school. Oh, no. It's not going to work if it doesn't fit. There we go. <laughs> it was when I was serving at a middle school. Um, called, it was with a ministry called Young Life. This student's name was Frida. And I was an 18-year-old freshman in college. And I remember thinking, I'm not equipped to do this. She's struggling with so many things that I don't, I've never struggled with. How am I going to relate to her? How am I going to counsel her? There's someone, there's someone else that can, that can take her and handle her problems better than I can. But she kept wanting to talk to me. And I was like, oh my gosh, okay, let's go, let's go. And the more she kept trying to talk to me, the more I realized that I could do it that God was putting me in that ministry, in that moment, for her. Because she didn't need any of the other leaders. She needed me, which was weird to be like, oh, okay, I have to be okay with this. But it it was hard, but it was good. So God kept showing me over and over through Frida that I was enough that I could use this gift of pastor, of speaking life into her, and I was good. It was, that was what I was meant to do in that moment. And my doubt in myself and my spiritual gift was met with countless examples of how equipped I actually was. And that helped me to build my faith and my trust in God's purpose for me. And as you know, I've been actively using that gift ever since. The next gift that I want to talk about is teacher. Never in a million years would I think that I would be up here talking in front of you guys. Now, I know this isn't my first time teaching, but still, every time I get up here, I'm like, man, I get to do this. Like, middle school Mandy would die and like... (laughs) Look how far we've come. It's definitely like a self, self uh, you know, cheerleading moment. But God gives us new gifts. He really does. Over time, he gives us new gifts, and he gives us new gifts when we ask for them too. If you read through that list with me and you were like, ah, I don't know if I'm a teacher, but 
I'd like to be, you can ask him for it. Because it takes practice to get comfortable in using our gifts. Like I said, I would be dying a few years ago even to come up here. And yet here I am. God wants us to use our gifts, and he will equip us when we're ready to use the gifts. He will be here with us. And it's only because of the Holy Spirit that I'm able to stand here. Because without the Holy Spirit giving me the peace that I have to be here, I would probably have, you know, called out sick. I didn't actually call out sick last week. (laughs) I was legitimately sick. But... Without the Holy Spirit, I would probably not want to be here doing this. But the Holy Spirit is what helps me to get up here and do this. So since I started using my spiritual gifts and activating them, I have had so many opportunities to use my gifts for God and his glory. Firstly, my job. My job is, like I said, like the best job in the world is getting to use my spiritual gifts every single day. I get to see squirrely junior hires become incredible adults that serve their church family and serve it well. I get to see those aha moments in students as they realize that Saul, who becomes Paul, is not the same Saul from the Old Testament. Some of you were today years old and you found that one out. (laughs) Another way that I'm able to use my spiritual gifts is at a youth organization that's called Chrysalis. So Chrysalis is a parachurch organization, meaning that it doesn't have a specific home with one church. It's just a bunch of churches and a bunch of denominations that come together. And there's a two times a year retreat that I get to volunteer at. And two weekends ago, when Pastor Mako was preaching, I got to be the lead pastor on that retreat. And coincidentally, the uh, theme verse for the weekend also came out of Ephesians 2, which she was speaking on. I was like, God, so cool. So this past retreat, I got to sit with a student for an hour and a half as she just shared her heart and everything that she was going through. And she looked at me and was like, you know, At the beginning of this conversation, I sat down because I didn't know why I was here. And I was hoping that by sitting and talking with you, that I would learn why I was here. And I did. She said, you said so many things that echoed things that my family or friends have said to me that I didn't want to believe about myself. But a stranger, I mean, I had just met her like three days earlier, A stranger says the same things that she sees in me that my family sees, and it clicked. So I get to be a part of moments like that, of seeing God actively working in young people and seeing their eyes light up when Holy Spirit moments click like that. Walking in our gifts is not always easy, but when God equips you, He will also be there to empower you. Because it's only when we have the courage to walk in our gifts that we can complete the puzzle. My giant child floor puzzle. (laughs) And this one's definitely going to fall out. 
So this specific puzzle is a little seek and find puzzle. It's pretty cute. So the reason I chose it was because the puzzle pieces were enormous and you can actually see the holes being filled. But it also proves the second point, which is this puzzle's purpose is to have the seek and find element be able to be completed. So all of these little side panels are things that you can find in, in this big thing. So if you want to play a game after service, have fun. <laughs> so it can only be completed once the puzzle is completed. Just like the church's purpose can only be completed when we say yes and activate our spiritual gifts. God's purpose for you and the church relies on this partnership. So Jesus gave his life so that we could have these gifts. And in response to all that Christ did for us through the gospel, our response should be that we would want to use these gifts to build and edify his church. We should not ignore our spiritual gifts, but we should be actively using them, taking them out of the box and using them. It is only then that we can move closer to what verse 16 says about the whole body being healthy and growing and full of love. If you don't know what your spiritual gifts are, ask God to show you. There are some tests online that you can take, but I wouldn't recommend doing those because the best way is to ask God. Ask God to put opportunities in front of you that will show you what your giftings are. Maybe it'll be to, you know, activate that, that evangelism where you get to pray for your cashier. Or maybe it'll activate the pastor where you can listen to someone and give them biblical counsel. Whether they're Christian or not, you can always counsel someone biblically by using the truths that you find in scripture and you don't even have to mention Jesus or God but you can use the truths that scripture lay out to counsel people no matter what they think of God but you can always use that pastor presence to counsel people maybe you want to use that apostle mindset and you see a hole in the church and you want to start maybe a new ministry I know years ago, we had no worship team for our youth group. And after one winter camp, our youth kids were incredible, and they're like, we want to do worship. We're just going to step up. And they did. And you saw some of them up here today. Don't let your feelings of not being good enough keep you from using your gifts. And don't compare yourselves to other people because comparison is a thief of joy. If God has intentionally given you a gift, which he has, he wants you to use it. And only you can use it the way that he's designed you to use it. Because remember, we've all been given different measures of gifts, which means that he has given you something different than he's given other people. And only you can use your gifts the way that God designed you to. He wants you to use it. And when we fully put our trust in him, he will empower us to use our gifts even when we feel inadequate. Band, if I can have you guys start making your way up. So the second half of Ephesians 4, um, read it on your own time, but it's all about living as children of the light. So how do we live as children of light? 
Ephesians 4, through 24 says, Throw off your sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Let the Holy Spirit transform you. That's how we can live as children of light. This reflects our, our boss verse of our series really well, which is this, Ephesians 5, 15 through 16. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. If we are living a life worthy of our calling, then the rest should come naturally. When we use our spiritual gifts, which lead to spiritual maturity and growth, we will naturally live like those who are wise. And we'll be constantly using, looking for ways to use our spiritual gifts. You are each part of something bigger than yourself. And I want to encourage you to take the puzzle piece that was on your chair. Maybe you're sitting on it. Maybe it's on the floor. But find that puzzle piece. Take it home with you. And put it somewhere to remind you that you are important. That activating your gifts, taking them from the box and putting them to use, you are important. You are the only one that has your unique gifts. If you were to all come together and use your puzzle pieces that are on your chairs, you would have a cute little puzzle. Yeah. To remind us of the unity that we all have together. So you are the only ones that can use your gift. Oh, sorry. And I want to encourage you to use them. So do you have the courage to use them? Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for our time together. And I just pray over each and every person here. Give them the courage to walk in their giftings, Lord. Whatever gift you have put on their life, God, we just ask that you seal that right now and that you empower them to use it. We thank you so much that we get to be a part of your church and that we get to have these giftings, Lord. Thank you so much for the, the sacrifice of Jesus through the gospel so that we have access to these gifts. So help us to have the courage to use them. In your name we pray. Amen. If you have your communion cup, please pull that out now. I think communion is an excellent way to demonstrate this unity because communion is the table that we get to go to this started long, long ago, before Jesus even died. We get to celebrate community together through communion. So on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it, saying, This is my body, which is broken for you. Take, eat, in remembrance of me. And then in the same way, he took the cup and he said, This is my blood, a sign of a new covenant, which is poured out for the forgiveness of your sins. Take and drink in remembrance of me.
Being a part of this church has been such an honor and a privilege. And I want to encourage you to, as we're transitioning into this time of offering now, I want to encourage you to give back in honor of all that God has done for us through the gospel message laid out in Ephesians 1 through 3. And in response to his goodness, we should be pouring out our first fruits and our spiritual gifts. Everything belongs to him, to give him the glory. So I want to invite you to give back to his kingdom, to give back to, so that his work can be done through you and your giftings and your resources. So I want to invite the ushers up and just start passing the baskets as I, as I pray a blessing over it. Lord, we thank you so much for all of the resources that you have blessed us with, Lord. And we know that these are just resources that we get to have here on earth. And you have an abundance of resources for us in heaven, Lord. God, we ask that you bless this church. That you bless every single thing that our volunteers and our staff put their hands to in your name, Lord. God, it's all for you. It's not to edify ourselves, Lord, but it's all for you, God. So, Lord, receive this offering as a, as a thank you for the little thank you for what you did for us, God. In your holy and precious name, amen. So may the Lord bless you and keep you and may he make his face shine upon you. And may you have the courage to walk in your giftings. Have a great week, everyone. Have a great week. God bless you all.